Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pierre F. J. Burton. And I'm Ali Rusbridge. So today's guest on the Care Exchange is Andrew Davies. He is the Managing Director of Right at Home, Bournemouth and Paul, which is an outstanding rated home care organisation as part of the Right at Home franchise. And previous to becoming the franchise owner, Andrew was a serving officer in the British Army for 17 years. So look forward to speaking to Andrew today. So on with the show. So hi, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining the Care Exchange. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're really excited to hear all about uh, Right at Home. Um, So I think I mentioned right, Right at Home there, and I think... The thing that really sort of struck me was that so right at home is a, a franchise. What what is that? You know, there's quite a few of them in social care now, but what what is it and how does it work? Um, I mean, most franchises in whatever area of work uh, have a similar idea behind them, which is that someone has created uh, an operation based on a certain model and that can then be replicated uh, all across the place. And as you might imagine with care, um, there's all sorts of issues we face day to day. Um, I mean, to go to the nuts and bolts of it, things like your policies and procedures, the software you perhaps use for scheduling, um, HR aspects, all sorts of things like that, which if you're starting out cold, would be quite quite an undertaking to put together. And the franchise, does a number of things but at the outset it um, gives you the the guide the handrail uh, the template as it were to kind of um, to set up your business right. uh, and plenty of advice uh, as well both on the care side and the, the commercial side but advice across the board to enable you to have a really good start to your business okay and how so that's the sort of startup so when you then carry on how how much are how how is how is the involvement i suppose in the day-to-day or in it or any sort of kind of strategic point of it um oh there's plenty of involvement and it's it's very this i'd say there's a kind of there's a sort of directional involvement when you're asked to produce certain information and you're given advice and counseling on how how you're doing both with respect to care compliance or with respect to the um the sort of business figures as well. So you, within Right at Home, for example, the um, the national office has a a compliance element uh, run by a very experienced and for, a former CQC inspector, actually, who really can advise you on the running of things, both day to day and the wider compliance issues. Um, but also, it's got the business management side and other things like marketing, recruitment. Um, and, and stuff like that, which which are unnecessary to keep the keep the operation going. So it sounds like you've got quite a lot of training and support when you started in uh, as the owner of a franchise. Did you? Yes, yes. They specifically run training for new new owners. Um, and to take Right at Home as the example, uh, it's particularly strong because they train you as an owner. They don't expect you to train you from sort of zero to begin becoming a care expert. Part of the kind of setup is assisting you in recruiting a registered manager, right. um, yeah. which 
I guess you guys know better than me, is, is quite a challenge to get get someone who's frankly available, but also has the energy to um, to start something from scratch. Because it's yeah. if you want something, someone experienced and available, it's quite a step into the unknown for them as well, because they're mm. helping you set something up from scratch. Yeah. Um, but, but the training I would, when we were talking, sorry, when you asked me about the franchise earlier, something I meant to mention is what I also find very, very uh, useful and incredibly important to me is talking to the other franchise offices yeah. and I suppose in kind of competitive terms it's quite good because our offices are defined by geographical territory so I can talk to people in other parts of England or I mean right at home's main presence is England and Wales at the moment um, but I can talk to them about the challenges they face and we give each other advice without thinking oh they're going to steal all my staff or steal all my clients because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't kind of compete in that sense yeah um and that's a really i think that's a really sometimes overlooked element of franchising in general quite apart from right at home or care franchises hmm. yeah it's interesting and i suppose it's so it's a little ha bit i suppose a bit of hand holding as well particularly if you're coming new from the you know new into the sector isn't it oh most definitely most definitely and it i suppose the relationship develops because it it's hand-holding at the beginning and then as you go along um you will still need advice and you'll get some excellent advice but you'll also talk to the national office or other franchisees and end up giving them advice and right, yeah. and right at home is very strong on that people have been going for a while will be able to i mean it's anything from how you use certain equipment or certain software up to much bigger strategic issues of for example opening a second or third office to yeah. better serve your territory mm. okay really interesting um and we heard there in an introduction as well that you are you previously worked as a serving officer in the army what were the sort of things that you learned from the army that you're sort of kind of using and managing your organization i think um something that sometimes overlooked in the art sometimes people feel in the army you kind of issue an order and everyone jumps to yeah. do it with <laughs> almost without questioning it and i i think nothing's really further from the truth uh because fine you have to do what you're told in the army to varying degrees but if you if you tell someone to do something that's a bit silly they're either not going to do it or almost worse still they're going to do it but do it pretty badly mm. um so it's it's kind of being reason i think it's one aspect of my reflection on being in the military service is being sensible in your expectations, even if sometimes you do have to stretch people or kind of put people out of their comfort zone. But linked to that, I think, which something I've really thought about in the 10 years I've been with Right at Home is, is to find really good people and let them do their job. It's a bit of a, I'm sure someone like Richard Branson or Steve Jobs is, is a great quote from them to to say something about this but is that sort of thing about yeah when someone comes to work for you it's like well what can you do for me how would you it's not saying go and do this task it's saying we need to achieve a following how would you go about it so and i think people feel valued if you let them get on with their job yeah um yeah is there also an, an element of leading by example in in that i mean the reason i'm asking that is that um we noticed um on your website that your um, photo uh, is of you being shaved by somebody. And we thought that was really interesting. <laughs> well, tell us a bit about that. 
that uh, the, the shaving thing specifically was um it was some of our new staff were and particularly people new to care were just a bit nervous about shaving someone because obviously to the uninitiated frankly it's a well, this is a razor i could cut someone and yeah. i we even went as far as to have a brand new kind of five bladed whatever top of the range gillette and then <laughs> deliberately got this is awful thing to say i mean i didn't mind doing it a really almost rusty tired old disposable razor to say some of our clients really don't want to buy new razors so andrew will take one for the team and you can shave them with this one as well <laughs> but also it's, so it's really just to it's a nice icebreaker for people we try and make our training as practical as possible yeah. and hands-on as possible it was nice for me to be able to do because it helps me get to know people but in all seriousness I said to, whenever we did that exercise I said to people I'm not going to turn you into a barber when you do this but it means when you first go and have to shave a client it's not the first time you've done it it's the second yeah. time and I know some people do it on balloons and stuff but I just enjoy getting involved and it talking about leading by example I think it is a really it is an important thing but i think you also have to think about why you're doing it mm. kind of doing the stuff at the coal face is important and it kind of to establish your credibility or to help you get to know people but i think there's an element of remembering why you employ people because when i occasionally have to go and do care and i i'm honest about that i don't i don't choose to do it not because i don't want to but because there's other people to do it but when i have to pop out and do some especially if it's a, a multi-handed visit, I'll say, right, you, you're the expert on this client. You take the lead. And most people are happy to do that. Sometimes I have to, but I think leading leadership, by example, is important, but it's also something to think about why you're doing it as well. Mm -hmm. Just really uh, struck us, that photo. <laughs> um, I, you know, we were just, it was the, you know, when you look at their website, you sort of thought, Oh, uh, and then obviously you think a bit more about it. And I, I had a look at your CQC report, and it obviously gives this explanation of it. And I just thought, wow, that's that's um, you know really taking leading by the example, uh, you know, to a to a step further. And I thought it was amazing. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. And actually, we we all we know generally you can't do much damage with a proper razor, really. No, I've never gone near a cutthroat hasty to add. And you talked a bit about um, you know finding the right register manager. And I know you had a had a change of register managers in the last um, few years. Tell me about the sort of kind of support that you provide to your current register manager to develop. I'm I'm really glad we get to talk about this because people outside care, I think, under always underestimate how how hard registered managers work. I mean, they have to be on top of almost everything, really. And also, though, because the registered manager is seen as this, well, is, is, a, is, a, is an important figure, but also seen as a kind of almost um, sort of raised on a pedestal, people sometimes forget that they're, they're people as well. Yeah. And I think in a lot of, this, it probably happens outside care, I'm sure, but within care, you kind of think, oh, they've got to register manager, that's where they are. But actually, like anyone else, I think they both need support and registered manager should be given the opportunity to develop. Yeah. Um, so I've been quite open with my registered manager. I want, I want her to run a, run the business at some point soon, and we'll recruit another registered her, her, manager for her to be her registered manager. Um, 
And I think something that I believe is difficult for registered managers, and I'm happy that there's registered managers listening to this, who will be shouting at their podcast delivery device, whatever it is. But I think um, sometimes because everything has to be done so well in care, it's, it can be challenging to delegate. There's that thing of, oh God, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that Peer will do that very well. So mm, I might as well just do it myself. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of giving people the confidence and the, and I don't know, the room to delegate, but at the same time, really being understanding that they're nervous about it and they want the care to be done really well. Um, so that's, I think, I, I'm sure it's not across the board, but I think people always, when they move up into a more senior position or a management position, often just need to be encouraged to delegate. But in care, there's that added aspect that you don't want things to go wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think both for me, for, well, for me, for my registered manager and for the, the um, office as a whole, the past 18 months, 24 months, the challenge, COVID's been a challenge, but the big challenge we've really had is the past eight months where recruiting has gone through the floor. And that's, the challenges there have meant we haven't had the room really to do much kind of wider developing. And maybe we're not managing ourselves very well, but it's just very easy to be the big shadow hanging over you is, oh my Lord, why haven't we got very many staff? That's the, and I Mm. feel that every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure lots of people listening to this will nod, nod to that comment, you know. Yeah, but actually, as you said that, I just thought that I I have to consciously take a step away at the moment sometimes, just sort of virtually, in order to think, fine, I'm really concerned about recruitment, but I have to think about all the other aspects as well and just make sure we still do them well rather than just get sucked into that one area as important as it is. Um, And part of helping a registered manager to develop, I think, is giving them the room to do the bigger picture stuff. Um, So the kind of thinking about, um, sorry, looking, auditing, overseeing um, the production of care plans, not doing the actual care plans themselves, but having the time to kind of review stuff so that the so that your standards remain high and keeping them out of the operational day-to-day stuff even though they'll obviously keep a handle on that yeah mm. and your registered manager you got currently you kind of almost um grew them didn't, didn't you um, we're very fortunate yes i mean i mean it's almost a, a poster based example for the world of care um the existing registered manager came in joined us as a new starter to care and progressed up to being a carer, senior carer, care coordinator, deputy manager, and now register manager. So, yeah, it's a fairy tale journey almost. But I, I, I'm I'm not saying that flippantly. I mean, it's it's the ideal, and it really emphasises, and it turns on its head the feeling that care has not got progression in it. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I would say, I mean, if if I wouldn't have wanted this to happen, but had the opportunity not arisen with us and she'd want to spread her wings to become a register manager elsewhere I would have felt happy for her to do it although I wouldn't have wanted to lose her because that would have given her the progression she deserved. Yeah. It sounds like you think a lot about succession planning because you're talking about her becoming higher, a higher manager and having somebody under her as well so you're sort of planning for replacements all the time. 
Yes, and it's, I know it's, people joke, we joke about this in the office, about the stuff that could we do something if someone got run over by a bus? And it's a joke, but it's also a really serious kind of a reflection mm, yeah. on exactly that. And I, we try and have three people can, who can do everything sorry, three people who can do anything, any single task. But I know there's a couple that is only one person can do. And in some cases, that's me. And that's really unhealthy. But we're always working on it to um, And actually, that's somewhere right. If you talk about the franchise, they have a great kind of uh, grid that you fill in with basically all the tasks you need to do to run the office. And you put in a, a grid of who does it and who supports doing it and who else is involved. And it just means you can really audit how you do stuff and mm. it helps really clear your mind for that sort of thing that's a great thing to do because I think I think that you know jokingly you know what we'll do if we're going to run over our bus I think I know as a register manager it was something that always used to worry me you know if I don't if I'm not there who's going to do this task so to have a a way of kind of almost listing all every single task that you do and making sure that there's at least one other person if not two that can do each task so you know and it could happen to all of us you know mm. that we become mm. ill or something happens in your in your homeland that means you can't be at work for a time to have that that's part should be part of your contingency planning shouldn't it is, is oh is definitely definitely planning tool isn't it and and actually i mean i, I don't want to go about the franchise too much but if something like that did happen we've then got about 60 offices across the uk you can phone up and say how do you do this or you've got the national office with experts of various fields who's, who yeah. you wouldn't want to be bothering every day but when you're in trouble yeah, you can ring and say oh gosh I'm a bit stuck so yeah, no, exactly. it's good yeah okay um so we heard also introduction there that uh your organization is rated overall outstanding by CQC so congratulations for that thank you um it was quite a considered decision for you to aim to be rated outstanding wasn't it so what was those sort of kind of considerations that you had the most the most motivating thing for it was actually getting good in the inspection before because we thought we were great and then we got an overall good in the previous inspection what and we'd <laughs> we'd sort of talked to we'd read the outstanding reports of a number of other care providers across the country and we thought well you do that but we're as good as that or better than that and I suppose the big thing which um, experts in this field may tell you, and my belief is, I think in care, we're generally quite modest um, mm -hmm. and we don't like to go on about what we do, but frankly, the Care Quality Commission or whoever aren't gonna know how good you are unless you tell them. Mm -hmm. And really, you've got to blow your own trumpet, which is really uncomfortable for most of us. And it's really, so I'd say we went out to blow our own trumpets and actually, my registered manager at the time, my existing registered manager as deputy manager and, and uh, senior coordinator together, they wouldn't let me in the office, but they insisted on staying in the office for a couple of nights and the weekend before we were inspected wow. and just wrote up all our best practice case studies. Um, and unless you've got the story of how you've achieved amazing outcomes for people, you may have done all that. I'm sure there's plenty of and that's why I believe there's probably a lot of outstanding services out there that because they don't blow their own trumpets, unfortunately for them, get rated as good. And it's, I personally think it's even more uncomfortable, and that's just me, when you have the inspector there almost showing off to them. You know what I mean? It just feels wrong in a sense, but 
actually they haven't they haven't got the time to dig this all out they need to just take it from you and then you could all but without being cynical about it almost say here's all our here's all the outstanding stuff we're doing prove us wrong almost prove us prove to us why we're not outstanding um do you think there are any downsides to going striving for outstanding um in the current climate i'd sorry overall i'm chuffed to bits we've got it but there's two downsides both of which one of which isn't really a downside but it's you end up letting people down because a lot of people want to use your service if you're outstanding and if you don't have mm. the capacity to provide that service you have to turn down a lot of clients and mm. that's exacerbated at the moment because of the poor poor recruiting conditions so that's one thing the other thing and i don't know this is almost a philosophical question and i don't know where i sit on it but you could argue the resources required to be outstanding and by that i mean i mentioned earlier about giving a registered manager the space to kind of think about the wider issues of care if that takes a, a bit of money frankly to have the mm. staff and the facilities to do that but you could possibly argue do you want to deliver good care to 100 people or outstanding care to 75 i don't know it's it's, mm. it's not as simple as that you know what i mean you yeah. can arguably arguably there's a bit of that but i think with outstanding and i'd I don't want to seem complacent or conceited in saying this, please. But um, I think once you've got it, it is difficult to retain it. But once you've got it, you kind of know what you need to do. So hopefully when we get inspected, we, we know kind of what we need to do. So yeah. it's, it's not so mysterious to us anymore. Mm -hmm. You kind of um, know what, 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 how to promote yourself, don't you really? Yeah. But... <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of cliches, but I think a lot of it comes down to that really, really basic thing of is the care we're providing the care that I'd want or want a loved one of mine to have. Yeah. And um and I, actually something that and I'm not my I've got an amazing office, but something that has come up with CQC inspectors and others, both people from right at home who kind of do mock inspections on us, before they even look at our files or talk to anyone face to face. They just sit in the office and they hear our office team on the phone to clients or to pharmacies or to doctors and whoever else, clients, families. And just from that, they get an idea of what we're up to and mm. how. And once again, this sounds really conceited, possibly, but they are so good at what they do to dealing with the day to day issues that reflects really well on the service and just kind of makes makes the inspector or whoever it might be sit up and think gosh they really really are interested in achieving the best outcomes for their clients mm. here and that's a culture thing isn't it yes i hope so and yeah and um i hope that we're quite self-critical within the office so we'll say actually when we deal with whoever say client a's daughter just be aware that the following's going on so you might want to yeah. approach them in a certain way or whatever it might be mm. um, but it it's I always feel that the moment you think you're getting it right is the moment you're complacent and probably going to get it wrong so we're potentially we're too self-critical but I think that's better than thinking you're doing all right all the time mm. Mm. yeah so tell me a little bit about your sort of social media use you know how you use social media right at home um I mean, right at home generally 
really supports us amazingly on, on social media. And we have, I suppose, what we call the kind of routine posts. So stuff marking particular, um, particular days in the year, whether that be dementia, dementia action week, um, or whatever it might be, we, we put that sort of thing out. But we've only really got to grips with our social media in the past year or 18 months. And I put that down to my registered manager because she's really shaking it up and made it not just relevant, but made it a tool through which I think our staff are increasingly proud to work for us. Which I, Although social media is in business, I guess, is a tool to promote your business, one of the strongest aspects of it, I think, is promoting your identity as somewhere to work. So you can show people what you're up to, show people the kind of um, carers you you have in the business and therefore hopefully encourage other people to come carers with you so I mean social media is such a flexible tool you can use it to achieve all sorts but that's my that's my big thing with social media really is, is the feeling that it defines our identity and gives people a real sense of belonging and a sense of pride because they work for us um, but Second, secondary kind of issues are that if if people are thinking of looking for care or maybe even wondering how good we are, it just it reflects on it just gives the, the buzz of what's going on here. But I'm not a social media expert, I hasten to add. We could probably do a lot better. Um, and I know there's within and without an outside in and outside care, there's people who do social media much better than us. But um, we're always looking for other ways to use it. I suppose the thing thing is is just as you as you were saying about using it to because you know your staff are going to be using social media so using it in a way that encourages them to share what you're what you're uh, posting you know on Instagram etc to to kind of try and say well look where I work I'm really proud of it I want you yeah. to see it and actually and actually there's kind of I don't know, for example, if you're going to write a commentary on, on the CARE Act or something, then I'd argue you're not going to get many shares on Facebook. You need <laughs> It needs to be really engaging stuff. Yeah. Um, a, a really good example is when you celebrate someone getting qualification or, or something like that, then they're pleased as punch when you put it on there. No, I'm fine. If they don't want their picture on social media, that's fine. We don't put it on. But they're pleased as punch if you put it on there. And then they can share it with all their mates. And then you yeah. see the comments from friends of friends of friends say hey well done that's great and it's just like brilliant it, we, we see it as a routine that people get qualifications or whatever but um it's it's nice to be able to send it out there mm. it's really good yeah and you did a competition didn't you that had a oh I, yes sorry i wanted to admit yes i should have mentioned that now fine there'll be people into marketing and advertising what have you or say the rights and wrongs of it but what i thought was really good is it was with a local company and it was quite a simple competition to get an Amazon voucher and some locally made fudge. It went off the scale. I mean, I was like, God, I mean, I couldn't believe it. We didn't have to, you know how you could sponsor Facebook ads and all that sort of thing. We didn't have to put any money behind it or anything. The people of Bournemouth, Paul, Christchurch and the rest of Dorset took it and ran with it. It was incredible. <laughs> and it, but what I particularly liked about it was, was linking in with a local small business as well yeah. and i now you've mentioned that's a reminder to me i'd really like to look at um 
other opportunities to do that with other small businesses too. That's a great That's idea. Quite, yeah, really good idea. And, and just a great way to use for recruitment, promotion for clients, etc. So. And, I, and I, I must say that was down to my registered manager. She came up with that, that idea. Yeah. Um, and I was I said, yeah, let's go for it. Not expecting it to take off as it did. Yeah, it did. I could, I could see that it had gone mad. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit like a dog, dog photo, isn't it? It always it yes. creates a good, good, good feeling. Uh, we do have a dog in the office most days. And when we put him on Facebook or Instagram, he gets a lot of reaction. <laughs> Okay, um, moving on, we always have what we call our time for care slot in every episode. So this is your chance to pass on what you think is your most time-saving tip. What would you offer? Other? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it kind of comes about from the, the leadership thing we spoke about or the kind of memories or um, things that the military maybe got to me, but it's... Um, it's really delegation and it's mm -hmm. always asking yourself what are you why are you doing this and fine there's plenty of stuff you should be doing but it's well um and also if you're doing something that arguably someone else could do just recognizing maybe there isn't anyone to do it so um just get on with it but i just think it's always work out where you can delegate better um and part of that time saving and it's another dangerous one in care but it's understanding that perfection is the enemy of good enough. It's that whole thing of mm. half a plan or half a solution now is better than a perfect solution in 24 hours time because by then the situation may have changed and actually that perfect solution will no longer be really, really worthwhile. So yeah, delegate. And as part of delegation, you've got to accept that it might not be 100% the same as how you do it, but it's better to get it done than to muck around forever trying to get it perfect. That's really good, really useful advice. Thank you for that. Uh, no, no, I, I don't underestimate the sensitivity of care as a, as a service in that you generally do want to aim for perfection. So that's what makes it such a challenge for me to say that, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's honest for you to say that. It's, it's a difficult balance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely very difficult. Brilliant. So uh, as a final question, um, we ask you to sort of think what you would like to say if you were in a lift and we're on the 10th floor, we're going down. So you've got very limited time, but you want to say one sort of key message to um, everybody before you uh, you leave. What's your key takeaway message? Perhaps you have a group of registered managers in that lift with you. Oh, no, yeah. that'll pick me up. <laughs> um, it's something I... I always try and speak to our induction courses with, with new staff coming aboard. And I, as I said, I'm a big fan of cliches, but I think it's remembering you're, you're never too cool for school. And by that, I mean, mm -hmm. there's the element of always being open and willing to learn and kind of finding learning opportunities all the time, however sensible and clever you think you are. But also there's an element, and it's something I've come across in all aspects of life, is that thing of people thinking oh i've been i've been here i'm experienced enough that i don't need to do something mm. something basic as well the basics really are put all the basics together and that gets you that great service at the end of the day and there's nothing that irritates me more than that attitude of oh you've done your training but now you're on the job we show you how to do it properly it's like well <laughs> and i say that to the guys on induction and 
I think we take our training really seriously and I think it's really relevant, but we work really hard to make it relevant. So yeah, you're never too cool for school. Great quote. <laughs> always learning and always doing the basics right however experienced and senior you might be that's brilliant that's brilliant <laughs> that. oh thank you yeah. thank yeah. you <laughs> that's really really good oh huge thanks that was just you shared so many great things with us and I'm, a lot of things that i will have a have a think about and, and reflect on and i'm sure mm. those who are listening will be doing the same so um yeah it's just really thanks for your time today thanks very much Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Great, Ali. That was a really interesting conversation with Andrew there, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing. I, I, I thought it was very interesting, some of the things that he was reflecting on his time in the army as well and, and um, how that had taught him some of those leadership things. That was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think the whole franchise, I'm not sure I realised exactly what how that worked mm. uh, or how that works. You know, I think it's really a, an interesting um, concept, I suppose. I, you know, obviously, I know the franchise exists uh, in other industries, but to, to think of it almost like this kind of holding hand if you're mm. starting and as, you, as you're moving on. And, and we know that, you know, the, the, being an owner, being a registered manager can be really tough. So have somebody who are there to sort of help you along must be mm. really interesting he was he was really positive about it wasn't he and, yeah. the, and the value of it yeah. yeah absolutely i think um I, I was very interested when he was talking about outstanding care and 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 that decision about the the you know going for outstanding and really really being able to be proud about the evidence that you had and he he, he explained that really well didn't he and it's interesting because actually this summer we're, we're about to launch a new virtual learning environment module on delivering outstanding care. It's part of the series we've got. We've got another um, ones on preparing for inspection and one on improving your rating. And this one is a one hour introduction to what outstanding care looks like and what you need to do to evidence it to the CQC. And he was talking about that, wasn't he? How his staff had actually really yeah. worked on getting that evidence together. And they worked all weekend on it by the sound yeah. of it. But And that was a decision to really showcase what they were good at so I think that module might be useful for anyone that is really wanting to strive for outstanding like clearly they did and they made that decision to do that yeah, yeah and I thought it was really interesting that, they, that it didn't just sort of kind of be something that they just thought oh we might want to do this they really strategically thought mm. what do we, what do we want do we want to be outstanding this is something that we really want to do okay we've decided yeah this is our plan and they've gone for it isn't it mm. Mm. Brilliant. The other thing I thought was really interesting was when he was talking about social media and obviously, you know, uh, openly and honestly said he's still learning, mm. you know, there's still things that they could learn, but they have really kind of experimented, had a, you know, ran a competition, got great success out of that, you know, just trying different things, isn't it really? And you don't know? forget the photo of the dog. I like that obviously, bit. Obviously. <laughs> we like dogs in this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we've, um, been working with a um, marketing agency who have been doing some uh, uh, webinars for us uh, on recruiting with social media. Mm. We've done five in total on Facebook, how to recruit on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, which is uh, a new 
new uh, social media, which I'm sure that uh, so young people will know all about, but mm. uh, you know might not thought thought about as using as part of recruitment and also recruiting on Instagram, as Andrew mentioned. The recordings are slightly different in terms of where they sit on our website. They are not on the general website. They are on our membership portal. And that means that if you are a Skills for Care member, you can access those recordings. They are really, really interesting. They've got loads of tips. Clearly uh, an expert who, know, who knows what they're talking about, talking about how to use all those social media challenges um, for recruitment. And I like that they're I like that they're called masterclasses because I think that's exactly what it was. Really going into depth to show you how to use it. Isn't exactly, it? they are really in depth. Um, so if you are not a member and you want to access them, purchase a membership. It's thirty five pounds for the year, and then you can access that portal. And it's got lots of other resources as well, mm. lots of more uh, things that you can't access on the website. But particularly those uh, recruitment masterclasses, I think would be really useful to access. Um, so. That's the end of today's episode. In fact, end of this series, the series two of the Care Exchange. And we have actually got some news before we end uh, this uh, episode. So, Ali. Yes, I'm unfortunately not going to be co-hosting with you going forward into series three, um, which I'm very sad about. But I'm, it, I'm not that sad because it's actually because I'm retiring. So um, I'm a bit apologetic about retiring on the one hand, but I'm looking forward to it on the other hand. So this is my last um, care exchange and I really, really, really enjoyed doing them. The good news is that I'm um, I'm going to be handing over to uh, a colleague who I know is going to be absolutely uh, brilliant, brilliant as a co-host with you, Pia. And I think she's uh, she's with us today, isn't she? Yeah, she is. So Wendy Adams is going to be joining me in the series three. So welcome, Wendy. Thank you very much. And I've been listening in today. And wow, that was just so interesting listening to Andrew. It was brilliant to hear about some of um, the things that he had to say. And I was really interested to hear what he had to say about leadership and about it not being about telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think we actually talked about finding good people and letting them do their job and about how that was so empowering um, for staff and making people feel valued. And that was brilliant. Mm. I'm so looking forward to being part of the podcasts going, going forward. Yeah. It's going to be a change, but it's going to be a good change, I'm sure. Yes. Um, and um, I'm just really pleased that the exchange will continue. So thank you, Ali, for all your time and for um, the co-hosting the, the podcast over the last uh, 20 episodes, which is um, many episodes. And looking forward to coming back in Series 3 with Wendy and um, thinking about what we're going to do next. So... Thank you very much for listening to the K Exchange today. Bye. Bye. Bye.